man, thanks for being here today. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about four things. We've been uh, talking about that for months around here. We've got banners. We've got pins. Uh, we've uh, done all these videos. Actually, we'll show this one again sometime soon. But today, I just want to break it down. It's kind of the DNA of our church. Uh, I want to be as clear as I can. That way, if people aren't here now, they can, as new people come in, they can go back and watch the four things. They'll say, oh, these are the four things that we're really passionate about. So today, we're just going to kind of launch in that together, and uh, hopefully it'll encourage your heart as it does mine. Do you remember as a little kid when uh, you, had this, you had these books for crafts and art and stuff, and you had the dots, and like if you went from this number to this number, and this number corresponded to that number, and eventually it was a dog or it was a person. Anybody play the dot game? Yes. And you know all of you did, yeah. You're like, Mom, Mom, look at my masterpiece. Like, all you got to do, son, is no, 9 goes to 10, 10 goes to 11, 11 goes to 12. Yeah. Somebody went, oh, that's why it never worked for me. I always did it weird. Okay. Well, connect the dots. Well, this morning... I want to talk about the four things, and the first one's connect. It's so critical that we connect. Like in that game or in, in that artwork, if you didn't connect correctly, then you didn't have, you know, I don't know what it looked like. Well, in life, if we don't connect to God, then we're always running in a vacuum, in a void, and we never take on the shape and the, and the image and the character of Christ. We, we're connected to something. We're just not connected to the source. So the first one that we talk about right here a lot is connection, being in union with Jesus Christ. Vibrant relationship, rooted, deep, established in Christ. Connect. We've been talking about that a long time around here since we started the church. Connection is one of the big C's. Connect to God through his son, Jesus. You're saying, well, I connect, but I'm not connected to God. Or I'm connected to church. Well, church is great, but I want you to connect to the source. And that source is God himself. So as we look there, there's just some things that I'm going to talk about that help us connect. Matter of fact, I was reading a survey. It says a Gallup poll reported that 91% of women and 85% of men say that they pray on a regular basis. And it goes on to say that 57% of Americans say that they pray at least once every day. Once a day. I don't know about you. How many pray at least once a day? How many pray like once an hour? If you're in a really crisis mode, once a minute. I mean, you just pray. You know, that's the great thing. I know you're saying it's not too great. But when you're in a tough situation, you find yourself desperate. You find yourself in need of divine resources. Do I have a witness here today? You want God to come and touch your crummy situation. Your trying, challenging situation. But you cry out in humility. God, deliver me. God, come. Show up. No, God, show out. Show, just show yourself strong, God. I need you. If I keep trying to do this on my own, I'm going to fail miserably. I'm going to just be in the ditch. And So studies like that are interesting to me. But a lot of people I find pray. I ask people all the time, do you pray? They go, oh, yeah, man, I pray, you know. I pray when I get in the car. I pray before I have a meal. I, you know, I, I, I pray about this. I pray about that. That's great. That's right. But a lot of people never connect. See, there's a difference between praying and connecting. Connecting is when we have clean hearts. We've confessed sin before a holy, righteous God. And the Bible says we confess our sins. He's faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we confess to God and he cleanses us, 
and he removes our sin, then we have that open atmosphere with God to talk to him and connect. You know, you know when you connect with God, you just can feel and sense his presence. You know when you're disconnected because of bitterness or strife or unforgiveness or guilt or just something that's produced in your life and it's keeping you. There's a gr great theologian named R.A. Torrey, and he said this. He says, this thought will really kind of just shake you to your roots, but he goes, Prayer is the key that unlocks all the storehouses of God's infinite grace and power. All that God is and all that God has is at the disposal of prayer, but we must use the key. Prayer can do anything that God can do, and since God can do anything, prayer is omnipotent. See, this morning, are you connected? Are you connected to him really strong? I mean, you're saying, well, Keith, I prayed a prayer. You see, I've been trying to tell people this for 30-something years. Salvation is so much more than what we've made it. Salvation is a relationship. Will you write that down in your notes today? If you don't hear anything I say, I just want you to know. Salvation is a relationship with Jesus. Salvation is connecting, abiding, bound to, connected to him. That's salvation, and that means deliverance. But a lot of people, you know, they're just religious at best. They're, they're disconnected. So we talk a lot about here, you, you've got to get connected to God. Because when you get connected to God, like here we go. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a blower at my house. It, it, it's, it's electrical, so I have to use extension cords. And I'll be out there blowing the driveway or blowing the garage or whatever. And every once in a while, I get a little farther than my cord goes. Anybody ever do that? You're like, no, Pastor, I got a problem with that. Get you a gas one. I've, I've been thinking about it, okay? And I get out there, and I'm and man, when that thing gets disconnected, man, power goes off. And like the other day, I was blowing out the garage. I was blowing. I mean, I had all the stuff away from the house. I'd worked in the yard. It was looking good. I was getting ready for yard of the month in my mind. And I thought it looked great. And about that time, I pulled the cord out of the wall. And then, you're, this is true, then one of these crazy winds came from heaven Everything I just did blew back in my face, back in the garage. And I go, fine then. And I threw it in the box. And you ought to come see our garage right now. <laughs> I wasn't going to do it again. Shows how spiritual I am. You say, well, if you were spiritual, you'd have got out there and said, God, please stop the wind. So then I got there the next day and did it, and another wind came. I'm get, I don't know what I'm doing. i got to do something different. Okay? i got to get me a longer cord or something. Okay. But God's powerful. I, I, I'm just wanting to hammer this thought today. Man, just think about it. Connect with him. Prayer and the presence of God just seem to go together. When you pray, do you just sense his presence? I mean, it, there's nothing sweeter. We sing about it. There's great songs about it. There's great scriptures in the Psalms and other places. But God wants us to focus and concentrate on him. Somebody said that prayer is a gymnasium of the soul. It's just a continual exercise. And prayer is not for the feeble. Prayer is for those that are strong and will lean into God and endure through the night and endure through the suffering. And they don't shrink back and they go, God, I'm going to finish the course. Is there anybody here today that's just struggling sometimes in your prayer life and you just go, why has prayer got to be so hard? I do. I mean, I've written a book on prayer. That ought to make me an expert, right? I heard one time if you wrote a book and you traveled over 100 miles, you're an expert. I still struggle with prayer. I've listened to more messages and podcasts and seminars, and I've taught more seminars and read more stuff. If you go in my library, I have more books on prayer and leadership than any other thing. 
I mean, man, I'm, in, I'm just obsessed with prayer. And yet, sometimes if I'm really honest and raw with y'all, I still sometimes feel like I get a little disconnected. Then you have to go back to the source and go, why is this Jesus? He just, he's just calling me. He's just loving me. He's just calling me to himself. So prayer's not meant to be so complicated. So let's look at some things. Look at point A. Slow your pace. Just slow down your pace. Now, I'm talking to busy people. You know, in one week, if I could get a dollar for every time that I hear the word busy, we would pay off our mortgage really soon. That's from spiritual and non-spiritual people. In the month of May, I'm convinced May is tougher than December. And the church said, oh, you're not living in the world I am? Everywhere I go, man, man, you got to go here, got to go there. Oh, it's just event, 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 event. And, like, and you go, hey, and we have one more event to go to. And you're like, oh, boy, isn't that awesome? Just busy. So here it is, Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I'm God. I love the translation. It says, cease all your striving and know that I'm God. Just stop, slow down, take a break. Because I want you to write this on the side. Busyness is the enemy of anybody's effective, fruitful prayer life. If the devil can get you busy, he is one. I talk to people all the time. They're like, Pastor, I want to pray. I believe in prayer. I've seen the fruits of prayer. I've been a part of prayer, but I'm just too busy to pray. So I'm saying, Keith, friends, let's slow down. Let's just slow our soul down. Let's turn back to RPMs and, and praying and rushing don't go together. I don't know about you, but when I pray, I want God to come right then and manifest form and power and answer my prayer, and we can go on to the next deal. And so many times that doesn't happen. God's like, I got a bigger agenda than your agenda, Keith. And I want you to slow down. I want you to rush. And I just want you to, what keeps you from praying? And I just think about what keeps you from praying. I want you to ask yourself, what keeps me? This week, ask yourself that. What keeps me from praying? Really praying. Just getting still, being in his presence, asking God for a word, opening my heart to the scriptures and saying, God, speak to me through the living word of Christ. You know, I've had a habit for decades I wouldn't trade it for anything to spend time in this book. And I'm just begging you as my friends and my brothers and sisters and the wonderful congregation that I get to serve, slow down, slow your pace. Let's, let's look at the next one. Simplify your prayer. Just simplify it. Sometimes the antidote is to slow your pace, but sometimes we get so busy and we try to impress others. I mean, we've all been there. I want to impress them with my prayer, with my eloquence, with my spiritual vocabulary, with my ability to have long prayers. And let me tell you what I've learned. People are not impressed with long prayers. And the church said, I mean, you're like, man, let's get, I mean, have you ever noticed if somebody prays a really long prayer, have you ever noticed when you're a group, you never call on them to pray? <laughs> Unless you're really in a tough situation, then you ask, hey, man, you pray. You've got more words than me. But there's some scriptures about babbling and being like the pagans, so the, it's not necessarily that. We've kind of missed it. But in Jesus' day, there was a group of prayer professionals. They loved to pray. They had the times on the clock marked off when they would pray, and they were very religious and disciplined about that. But they wanted everybody to know how pious and spiritual they were. May it not be said of us. But may it not be said of us that we were just too busy. We wouldn't slow our pace. We just couldn't pray. And so God says, I want you to simplify your prayer. And, and, you, and you've got a choice. I mean, like you, God, I don't want to impress others. God, I don't even want to impress you. God, I just want to be raw. Y'all, I love, I want you to write down the word raw. This is, this is free today. Raw. R-A-W. I, I know you're glad I spelled it for you. Real, authentic, 
worship. I want us to go raw. And the church said, I will. Will you go raw, church? Just last Sunday morning, when I finished preaching about the ever-faithfulness of God, I got raw for two minutes and we closed the service. If you were here, you know. If you weren't here, you ought to go on podcast or you ought to go to Video World this week. Check out Christ Community website. You'll see it. I just got real. Every once in a while I do that from this platform. But in my soul, I better get real all the time, and you had to. Quit trying to impress Father God. God, like, has anybody cried to God lately when you were hurting? Were you trying to pretend? No. You were just broke. You needed a touch. You needed redemption. You needed fixing. You needed a wholeness. You needed healing. You needed answers. Man, I'm, I'm praying so many things right now. I'm filling up journals, and I'm just asking God, Lord, do this. Listen to this from the message from right now, Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. And it says these words, The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with. He knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. I'm glad God said you don't have to have a seminary or theology degree. Or you don't have to have this or that. You just have to be somebody that's broken and contrite and dependent and cry out to him and say, Father, would you come? Lord, I trust you, Matthew 6, 6. Just be simply and honest with your prayers to God. So there it is. Slow your pace. Simplify your prayer. Third thing, I want you to hear this. Stick with it. So many times in our prayer life, we... We don't have any stick to it. We, we quit. We don't endure. We're not persistent. We're not like the women. We're not, hey, God, it's me. We're just like, man, I, I prayed about it three times. Come on, really. Guys, I've got prayers I've been praying since the day I got saved in 1978. Yeah. You're like, well, you need a new prayer life. Well, I've got a bunch of prayers that have been answered in the miraculous nanosecond. But there's some I just got to keep enduring, and so do you. And right now, maybe you're praying about something, and God hasn't seemed to come through. And, and he's, Ephesians 6, 18, stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. I, I've said it a lot, and I'll say it again. Prayer just takes persistence. I'm preaching to myself that you get to hear because you came, okay? So whenever you want to give up, be reminded your prayers always make a difference. Your prayers, your prayers, my prayers. They make a difference. If I didn't believe that, I'd quit teaching on prayer. I'd quit praying. I wouldn't be an intercessor. But I believe that every great revival has been preceded by a season of prayer. I believe every great movement of God has a season of prayer. And I believe this church will only be as strong as the prayer warriors that sit in the chairs. If we lack something, I think it's because we're not being honest and we're not being simple. We're not simplifying, sticking with it. And then look at this next one. I want you to say it real quick. Fourth, strengthen your faith. When you're connected to God, it strengthens your faith. You, you get to a new place with him. You go on. Uh, you, some, you might say, well, I doubt that God will answer my prayer. Well, you need to come with, to God with expectation. God, I expect you to hear the prayer of the righteous. I expect you to hear me. But look at the second area. So that's connect. We connect to God. Now serve. I'm not going to say a lot about serve today because we talk about service in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Jesus uh, gave us an example. He took the, the towel and the basin and he washed the disciples' feet. He would slow down his heavy pace of life and he would love people and he'd go to funerals and he'd go to weddings. And I liked it when he went to resurrection services. They were better than funerals. But Jesus loved to serve people. 
And that's the model for you and me this morning. David, just a couple of comments. I was thinking about King David. David first worked as a shepherd. He served the purposes of God and his family by being a shepherd. Then he served God by fighting Goliath and being a champion over this Philistine. Then he became obedient to authority as he submitted himself to King Saul. Then he learned to wait for God's timing. Every servant needs to learn to wait on the timing of God. And then he, David served as an illustration with his life. And then David served through the writing of songs. It's called the book of Psalms that we talked about last weekend. But David served. But I want you to see right here in the box. Get ready to fill these in. I want to move over these. Number one, we're created to serve. Everybody in this room has the capacity and should have the desire inside. If you're a Christ follower, there's no excuse. We should be servants of the king. God, I want to serve you. Then we're saved to what? To be safe? We're saved to serve. If it was just saved to go to heaven, we would get saved and you'd go to heaven. Sometimes I thought that'd be pretty cool. Get saved, go to heaven. Get saved, go to heaven. That's not what God did. He saved us for a divine purpose to serve his purposes. So God, you create me to serve. You save me to serve. Third, we are called to serve. God's called us in his word. You can read all these scriptures. I could, and I've put scriptures down here in different places, but let's move on. Fourth, we're gifted to serve. When you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into you. He gives you a spiritual gift. I think he gives you a gift mix. And those gifts are not for your glory, not for yourself. They're for the master. And if you're using your gifts to serve Jesus Christ effectively, God bless you. If you're squandering, if you're sitting on, if you're wasting your gifts, your gifts are atrophy, it's a bad place to be. God, help us to be gifted. Uh, the next one, we're commanded to serve. Scripture's real clear. Then go, go sit soaking sour. It says serve, serve the purposes of God. Our service is needed. We serve because Jesus serves. And I just want you to see something here from the Psalms. This was in here last week. Psalm 8410. Turn over there with me. Psalm 8410. We used to sing this song. I love it. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. A single day is better than a thousand elsewhere. God wants us to serve in his earthly church, preparing us for the kingdom that we will reign as co-heirs with Jesus Christ forever. Amen? That's the purposes of God. God, David said, I would consider for a moment only to serve God. Uh, he had palace and he had pleasures and he could have done so many other things. He goes, no, there's nothing better. And serving Jehovah. I'm going to serve him. He's going to bless my life. He's going to bless his people through me. And if I only have one day left, I, you know, you've seen this series about what if I had 30 days to live? What if I had one day to live? Somebody go, oh, I got a fantasy. I'm going to go do this. Okay, you could, you could. But if you only had one day to live or 30 days to live, what would you do? I pray at the very top of the top of the top, priority one would be. I would want to serve the purposes of Christ before I went to see him face to face. You're saying, but first I'm going to take a big vacation, then I'll come back and serve him. No, 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 no. We, we got to say, God, I want to serve you. I like this. You were made to make a contribution, not to consume. That's what Rick Warren said. You're made to make a contribution to the body of Christ. You see, church, when you and I use our gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us, they're to be given away. They're to make a contribution. And when everybody makes a, everybody makes a contribution, we reach goals. 
People's lives are changed. People are saved. Churches fill up across America. Life just changes when Christ is glorified because people say, it's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. If anybody ever wants to, man, what's this theology? It's Jesus. Jesus plus Jesus equals what? More Jesus. You're like, you didn't do very well in math, did you? No, 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 no. We, we could talk about this equation all day, but we'll just keep moving on because I want you to see Ephesians 2.10. You know this verse, but write it down, Ephesians 2.10. We're God's workmanship in Christ Jesus, created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you and I to do. Lord, thank you for that. I, I trust you there. So we're created, we're saved, we're gifted, we're shaped, we're commanded to serve. Lord, we've been given much. Much is required. Have you ever thought about that? To whom much is given, much is required. If you've been given great intellectual, spiritual, emotional capacity, it's for a reason. It's to share it. It's to share your gift. Because it's not your gift. It's his gift. It's like this church, people all the time, oh, Pastor Keith, your church, your church. Not my church. It's Christ's church. Oh, your, your church. No, 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 no. It's not my church. I'm just the founder. I'm, I'm just the janitor, okay? I'm just out here. I get, I get to be lead pastor, hallelujah. I mean, that's awesome, and you won't believe all the pressures that come with that, but the bottom line is it belongs to Jesus, and I love that. Don't you, church? It's his church. You're saying, but I own my house. No, no, you don't own your house. It belongs to Jesus. You're like, well, no, he never, he never makes a mortgage. Oh, he makes it every month if you make a payment. Just think about that for a minute. Okay, let's move on. So we copy Jesus when we live his life and we serve. And let, let, let's move down to this section because I, I want you to see here. So the next section on your outline would just say what? Invite. Now that's a nice section, but let's skip it right now. Let's go down to the next section. Give. You're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just, there's a reason I'm doing this. Okay, so give. Why is giving so important? I just want to give you some simple principles from God's word, and I think it'll help you and me. You ready? Number one, giving makes me more like God. I want to be like God. That's my goal. That should be your goal if you're a Christ follower. You confess Jesus is Lord, then I want to be like God. I want to be like my Father in heaven. Then you begin to love his word. You connect with him. Uh, you know, John 3, 16, for God so loved that God did what God gave. God's that giving God. He gives us life. He gives us the world to enjoy. I'm not saying we don't enjoy the things of this world that Christ gives us. It's for our pleasure, but it's ultimately to give him glory. It's to give him honor. It's to reflect it back to him. You know, you, 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 you can't say you love God and not give. You just have to give. It's the, it's the heart. It's the character of God is to give. It's, it's who he is. So giving, why is that so important? It makes me like him. Second reason, giving draws me closer to God. I want every one of you to be so close to the Father. And when you give, it draws you into his presence. When you give, you, you manifest, you begin to have his heart Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My heart's there, so is your treasure. There's your counter. There's your priorities. Jesus, I, I want to I draw closer to you. I want to be close to you. Third, giving strengthens my faith. Every time you present a tithe, every time you give your spiritual gift, every time you serve, when you give this life away, you serve God, and your faith grows. You, you exercise the muscle. How many of you... How many of you like to exercise? How many of you like to watch people that exercise? You know, like, you know, do you know this info commercial world is $300 billion industry? I was watching the other day. Wow. People love to watch other stuff. 
And, and, and there must be, I don't know how many, I'm just going to exaggerate because I'm a preacher. Uh, there must be nine million info commercials about how to shape your body. And they always come on after I had a delicious meal. I did, God, I hate them. Okay, anyway, but anyway. So God wants to strengthen our faith. And, and, and we give, and it will be given to you. For with your measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Write down Luke 6, 38, okay? Proverbs 3, 5, and 9. But look at the fourth reason. Giving is an investment for eternity. I'm going to give you the best investment tip you're ever going to get in your life. You are going to get so rich if you invest in this next tip. You're like, I'm writing, preacher. Tell it to me. I'm writing right now. I'm not talking about in the world stock market. I'm talking about the eternal stock market of God. Invest. Send things ahead to glory. Begin to invest in the eternal things of Jesus. I mean, it's the only thing that's going to last. You ever got a new car before? You ever got a new boat? You ever got a new bicycle? You ever got a new golf club? You ever got a new anything? You're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You ever got new clothes? Yeah, yeah. What happens? They tear. They brown. They get marks on them. They rust. They bend. Well, you know, when golf players throw clubs, I mean, that's not what they were designed to do, okay? But stop. Everything in this world, it just, it just messes. Like, here we go. You ever, you ever got into cleaning your car, and your car is immaculate, and you're so proud of it, and then, like, the nastiest thunderstorm comes up about an hour later? You're like, but it looks so good. Yeah, it did look so good, but it doesn't look so good right now. Or your house. You ever, women, mom, young moms, you ever clean your house and your house is like, oh, oh, glory, looking good. And your kid comes through a little cyclone, pig pen. And man, stuff's thrown everywhere. You know, kids don't walk in the room and go, let's bring structure and order to this home. Let's put all our toys where they go. I know there'll be somebody that walk up here and say, well, my kid does. Or your kid's special. Okay. All right, here we go. The, 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 the fifth one is given reveals my spiritual maturity. Somehow it's not going to come up and, oh, I'm just giving you a bonus because I could. Okay, so giving reveals my spiritual maturity. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, write it down. But just as you excel in everything in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness, see that you also excel in this grace, in this grace of giving. God tells us, to excel in some things, and one of them is giving. So I'm thinking, God, how can we give more? How can we show you honor? How can we trust you more? We don't give in return, seeking in return. Lord, we, we give because you command us. But then the blessings tend to follow us so many times in so many ways because we don't outgive God. We've heard that so many times. But let's go back to the one in the middle of the page, invite. I'm going to start landing the plane. Invite. This is critical. God loves to invite people. There's something about an invitation. This time of the year, you receive invitations. You receive invitations to weddings, to teas, to parties, to graduations, all kinds of things. And it makes you feel a part, and you feel wanted, and you feel accepted, and you feel valued, and you feel broke, and you feel loved, and all that. And an invitation is a powerful way to reach other people. You extend an invitation, and so many times people receive that, and, and they act on it. A man invites a woman, a lady, on a date. Oh, isn't it wonderful, guys, when she says yes? Oh, let's say that again. Guys, you ask a girl on a date, and she says yes. Is that good? Okay, a lot of you are married, so you're like, well, I haven't been asking on a date lately. Okay. And that's good. You shouldn't be asking other people's wives or girls for dates. Okay, here's one. Uh, you invite a client for lunch, and they say yes. Isn't that exciting? You're like, yeah, maybe we can like get the ball down the court because they said yes to my lunch invitation. A housewife 
a homemaker, a mom, young children should invite somebody over for coffee, for adult conversation. Do I have anybody in the house know what I'm talking about? Something more than one-syllable grunts. And you have meaningful conversation. Because I know, I, I've been doing this a long time. Your husband comes home, and he has been verbose all day long. And he walks to the door. And, you know, and that's the extent of his conversation. And you've been with Babyland all day. And you want conversation. So when you invite your neighbor to come have coffee, or let's go to Starbucks, or let's do that, and she says yes, you get excited, don't you women? You know, you're like, yeah, I love that. So there's, there's Starbucks cards under your seats today. No, nah, I lied, but it sounds good. Okay, all right. I should have done that. If we were the rich church, we'd have done that. Okay, here we go. L look at this slide real quick. Uh, I, want, I, want, I want you to, well, basically, well, I guess I can give you this. Put up God invites sinners. It's, it, they're already throwing it up there. So God invites sinners, and I can give you all these scriptures. It, it's so... It, it, it's just who God is. He, he invites us to fellowship, and he invites us to love him. But um, then it, I think God calls us to, to invite others. Let's see. Let's see if this will work. Oh, my goodness. When I pull this out, you're going to go. Now, did y'all see, uh, see that thing the other day on TV where the, the woman went to the bathroom and there was a snake? Y'all get ready. This is so cool. I hate snakes, so don't worry. Ball and chain, okay? Here we go. Wow, Blake, man, this dude's, this dude's heavy, man. David Stamps, I need you to come hold this thing because this thing's like heavy. But uh, here we go. All right, look at that. Now, why don't I give you that? It's a link. There's chain. All right, now, is a look. That feels better. Okay, so I didn't go to school all my life and be stupid. Okay, I finally said, hey, drop the thing, boy. Here we go. You know, there's a link. I, I want you to say real quick. I want you to invite people. See, God invites us. God initiates. He draws us. He invites sinners to come home. He invites sinners to put their faith in Jesus. God invites us to him. He invites us to invite other people. And as I look at this chain, I just want you to know, there, there's a link here. So this link goes to this link, and that link goes to that link, and eventually makes a chain. And when we share our faith, it's a series of links. See, I invite people all the time to come to church, and so do you. And so many people ignore me, and they ignore you too. And sometimes they come, and you ignite, and you invest, and you invite, and you invest. And see, this person talks to this person, but then this person talks to this one. And sometimes about the 7th, or the, about the 10th, or the 30th, or somewhere, that thing's heavy, way down there, you invite, and you invite, and then they connect. See, I want to go back to this connect. We want to connect them with God. I invite you to invite people to our services. You're like, man, how are we going to grow? How's the thing going to become what Christ wants it to be? Because people realize the power of invitation. I, I, want, I want you to throw a couple of these slides up here. I, I've got a couple of quotes. Are, are they going to come up? Am I like just totally off? No, that's not it. The, give, give me another one. It's, it's a quote. Yeah, that's it. 25% of Americans said they would attend church if they were invited by a friend. It's a survey. Like, so one out of four said, I would come if somebody would just invite me. So I'm begging you, I'm going to stand on my head, I'm going to do anything I can. Let's invite people, let's be invitational. And the church said, we'll do it. And you're like, well, no, I want to I keep my chair. I want to sit in the right place. I don't want people to eat my kids' goldfish. I want to do that. I'm like, man, man, look, it's not about you. It's about the people far from the cross. And then there's, there's another one. Can you throw this other one up? I, I'm killing y'all. After being a Christian for two years, the average Christian no longer has a single significant relationship with a non-believer. I've been in Christ since 1978. 
I meet pagans all the time. I meet believers. I meet in Montgomery, everybody's religious. Everybody's got religion. Everybody talks, oh, yeah, man, I got a church. Yeah. I ain't been in 10 years. I watch TV. Ha, hallelujah. And they walk off. But I just believe that the more we can invest and have relationships with people that are unchurched and de-churched and they're burned out on church and we invite them, I think we got an opportunity to see the kingdom of Christ grow. How about you, church? But it's going to take us, everybody here. You're like, well, I'm an introvert. Oh, go find introverts and talk to them. Well, I'm an extrovert. You see, let me just tell you something. You've never figured this out. I love introverts, and I'm not one. Y'all make me tired as I make y'all tired because I talk so fast and so quick. But when we all work together, it is beautiful in the tapestry of Jesus Christ, isn't it, church? When we do this together. And we go after people kind of like us, and they kind of look like us, and they smell like us, and they're educated like us, and they live near us. And like right now, we live in this new neighborhood we moved in several months ago. And it's kind of, it's becoming international. And I got a Jamaican on one side, and I got a Korean on the other side. And, and, uh, and it's kind of fun. I'm connecting with one family, the other family, they just, as soon as they see me, they throw the garage door down. It's really not doing a lot for my self esteem. <laughs> I've, been I've been there seven and a half months. I'm still trying to invite them to church. And as soon as I walk out, I mean, dude, they got, they, got, they got a speed garage. Now, you're laughing. You think it's funny. I'm taking it personal, okay? But your pastor's trying to invite people. I'm going to be a fool for Christ. How about you? That's not rhetorical. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's me. So have a heart for the harvest. Oh, dude, I got to quit. But let's go a little bit more. Here we go. All right, here we go. God invites sinners. Second one, God invites the destitute. you got to read these verses. These verses are amazing. God invites those that are destitute in their life. The third one, Jesus invites the weary and the heavy laden. I'm so glad. You're broken. You're in need of a touch of grace. You're in a touch of healing. You're thirsty. You need more of Christ. Christ comes to you. And the fourth one, the Holy Spirit invites the thirsty. He just invites those that need their, their thirst quenched. He, they need their thirst fixed. I, I love, you know, Andrew... Andrew came to Jesus, and he was so excited. What does the Bible say that he did? He went and found his brother, and he had to tell him about the Messiah. And he says, and you'll be Peter. You're going to be the rock. He wasn't then, but he would be. But he, he had to go tell him. We, I can look at all the things the Samaritan woman at the well and other people. They would go and they would tell. But the concept is... If I had more time, I'd try to break it down for you, but it's basically this. The key phrase in the Gospel of John, and I've studied John for years. I saw this phrase one year teaching college students many years ago, and it, it impacted me forever. If you'll go through your Bible sometime and read John and see how many times you can see the phrase, come and see, come and see. And it's the model of the disciples. This is the model for you and I today. Who are we inviting to come see Jesus? Now, I'm inviting you to invite people to your life group and invite them to a church, invite them to late day to day, invite them to events, but ultimately, who are you inviting to see Jesus? I mean, we'll make it easy for you. You can bring them here and we'll do our best to present Jesus to them, but I invite you to pour them to Christ and invite him. Hey, I want to see my friend know the Messiah. I, I want to walk with you. I invite others into the story of God. I want you to, to be introduced to the story of Christ. Because that story changed my life. And it's changed you, and it's changed you, and it's changed others, and it'll change them. It just has the power. That's the power of the gospel when we are serious. So we come and we see Jesus in person, live, here, today. I found him. So 
I hope all this today, I know there's a lot of thoughts. I hope you jumped in maybe on all four or maybe you're in two of them. We'll try to start practicing the third one and then move on to the fourth one. But church, together, if we connect, if we serve, if we give, if we invite, we'll be a beautiful bride of Christ together. Let's pray. Lord, it's so good just to be in your church, to be in your presence. Lord, we need you. We need you more than the next breath of air. Lord, we're glad that you've redeemed your church, that you love your church. You've given us a model to be your bride. Lord, show us how to forgive and how to love one another. Show us how to connect with each other. Show us how to serve. Show us how to invite God. Lord, give us holy boldness. I was reading Acts today, and you say you gave them boldness. God, give us boldness to get out of our comfort zone, to make you known. But Lord, we want more of you. Lord, come and fill this place with people, with personalities, with new testimonies, with freedom, with deliverance. God, come and make the church what you set it up to be. I'll rest not until you do that. I will not come down from the wall, Lord Jesus, until you do your work. Let's do it together in Jesus' name. Amen.